We continue. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created Elohim, the plural name of God. And He created ex nihilo. He created everything out of nothing. He spoke and it came to be. And He created everything and everyone that is, including Adam and Eve. And when He created Adam and Eve, He gave them to prove how good He is. He gave them four provisions. He gave them rest. Six days you shall work. The seventh shall be a Sabbath rest for you. On that day you shall not work. On that day you shall rest. That day is dedicated to the Lord. The principle is six days you will work. The seventh day is your Sabbath. So it depends on where you are in this earth. Your Sabbath can move. If you're in Israel, what day is their Sabbath? Saturday. Here in CCFLA, what day is our Sabbath? Sunday. But what if your work carries you over to work on Saturday, Sunday? Are you in violation? Look at the principle. Six days you shall labor. The seventh is your Sabbath. So you determine what your Sabbath is. Now please, that Sabbath day is a day dedicated to the Lord. So what do you do on the Sabbath? <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> that day is dedicated to the Lord. He gave us the responsibility. He told Adam, Adam, take care of the garden. Tend it. It's free for you. Everything is free for you. Except one. He gave them the rule. From any tree in the garden you may eat. From that one particular tree, you may not eat. For if you eat of that tree... You will surely die. And lastly, he gave them relationships. When God, if I may, stepped back and he looked at all his creation, he said, this was good, this is good, this is good, it's very good, but it is not good for the man to be alone. So God being the good God that he is, he put man in a sleep, took one of his ribs, and built or created Eve. The difference is, Adam was made from the dust of the ground. Eve was made from the rib bone of Adam. It symbolizes the closeness of the relationship. Picture that, you and then your wife over here. It's a picture of closeness. It's a picture of oneness. That's why he said, for this very reason, for this relationship, this relationship between man and woman, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave, be united with his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. But then, last week's message, we entitled it, We Must Assume Responsibility. Why? Because we have an enemy. And we dissected his strategy last week. His strategy is to make us doubt distort the word of God, even deny the word of God, and if he's successful, even destroy the very character of God. And he does this by deception. He does not go to you and tempt you. You know, if you do this, your life will be miserable. 
You will lose all your money. Your business will collapse. So do this. Of course, you won't do it. Why? Because the outcome is very painful, is very disastrous. But his style, his strategy is to give you a little bit of truth. What if I, what is your, think of your favorite drink, okay? Maybe coffee, boba, okay? And then I will just put just one drop, one drop of cyanide. Will you drink it? The devil will convince you to drink it. Why? It's 99.99% good. That is his style. That is his strategy to deceive. So he gives a little truth. But then he begins to attack, to cause you to doubt, to cause you to distort the word of God, to deny, and even to destroy the very character of God. And we learn from Genesis 3, that because of pride, when the woman saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom and good for food, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband, and he ate. What does God call that? Disobedience. And how many acts of disobedience did they do? One. All it takes for a person to be a sinner is to commit one sin. That's all it takes. And they disobeyed once. And because of their disobedience, it had consequences. Hardship, pain and suffering, physical death, and the worst, spiritual separation. Before, they were like just picking apples. You just go to this tree, you eat a bit, you're full. You have every fruit-bearing tree, every edible plant in the garden is for your eating. But now, you will work. You will till the ground. From thorns and thistles, you will harvest. To the woman, he said, from now on, you will have pain and suffering in childbirth. Yet, you will continue to desire for your husband. And we're going to look at that word desire in a little while. And then, to the man, he said, From dust you were, so to dust you shall return. God originally designed man for immortality. But when sin entered the world through one man, death came through the world because of sin. Man had now a timeline. He was going to die. Why? If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And the worst death, the worst separation that sin brought into this world is God had to put out Adam and Eve from the garden. The place when they would walk and talk in the cool of day. God had to put them out not only were they going to die when their spirit separates from their body, which is physical death, now they are going to be spiritually separated from the very presence of God. But didn't we also learn that God is a gracious God? That He promised that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head, 
but the serpent will strike the Messiah on his heel. A forbearing prophecy about the coming Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we go to Genesis chapter 4. And we've entitled the message for this morning, Give God Your Best. Give God Your Best. Many of us know the story of the book of Genesis chapter 4, correct? Let me give you a hint. Kasi baka mag-away pa kayo. Yes. Who are these? Oh, who is the right? Who is the left? Ah, the right brothers. The, the ones who brought airplanes and flight. Alright? Those of you who are old. Mm. What song do they sing? Never mind. You will know my age. Let's bring it a little more up to date. Oh, yeah. Who are these? You have Pau Gasol and you have Mark Gasol. NBA, right? Okay. What are we talking about? Two brothers, right? Yes? Can I introduce you to one of your brothers? Are you ready? Wala, Brad. Walang audio. All your best friend forever Singing the songs, the music that you love All together now. The brothers till the end of time together. You remember him? You're always in my heart. In your your heart. hurting feelings in you will rain no more. You remember what he started with? He said, I am your brother. Is he your brother? I don't think anyone here would like to be identified with him as your brother. Right? This morning, we're going to talk about two brothers. And as we read from the scriptures, may I invite you to please stand as we honor God through the reading of his word. Genesis chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Let's all read. Now the man, and she conceived. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a helper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of the time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flocks and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord God said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not well... Sin is crouching at your door. Its desires for you, but you must master it. Cain told his brother, and it came about that they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground. 
which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hands. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and wandering on earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden. And I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And a Lord appointed the sign of Cain, so that no one finding him would slay him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for your word. Your word is the basis of everything we believe in. Your word is the basis of everything we do in this earth. For other people and for you. God, I pray that you will speak to all of us, myself included, even as I preach your word. For knowing that it is only through your Holy Spirit that we may understand. And that by your Spirit's strength, we may be able to carry out what you want us to do. This is our prayer, Lord, as we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Our title this morning is Give God Your Best. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Now, remember in Psalm 127, what does it say? Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. Procreation is part of God's plan for mankind. When He created Adam and Eve, part of their responsibility was to reproduce, to populate, to fill the earth. But I, I like Eve's attitude. She said, with the help of the Lord. Some of us are not blessed to have children. Do not despair. There is hope in the Lord. You might pray about adopting or all other methods, but never fear. God does not love you less because you don't have kids. Likewise, God doesn't love you more because you have kids. With the help of the Lord, Eve said, I have produced a man-child. And who is this? Cain. I know you're hungry. It does not start with the letter K. If it starts with the letter K, kain. So, hindi pa tayo kakain. Later. Firstborn to Adam and Eve is Cain. Now, in verse 2, it says, Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So now, how many children does Adam and Eve have? Two. Who's the elder one? Cain. Who's the younger one? Abel. Was it part of God's plan that they also work? Yes. God told Adam, take care. Work the garden. Take care of it, right? So it's fitting that the two children that they have, these siblings also work. Now, what is 
the work of Abel. Patay ba? Yun. What is the work of Abel? He was the keeper of the flocks. What is the work of Cain? Tiller of the ground. So both of them were obeying God. They were doing the, what they were supposed to do. They were busy working. The New Testament says, if you do not work, you shall not eat. Right? So they are obedient to God. Now, look at verse 3. It came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Of course, that's what he's busy doing. And then verse 4, Abel on his part also brought of the first firstlings of the flock and their fat portions. So they both offered a worship to God. Yes? Now let's look at that side by side, their offering. Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel on his part also brought the firstling of his flock and their fat portions. What do you notice? Did they both present an offering to God? What did Cain give? What did Abel give? Do you notice that there is some difference? Do you notice it? Cain brought his offering from the fruit of the ground. While Abel brought the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. Is there a difference? Who gave the better offering? The firstling. If you're into herding, your firstling is your most precious or your prized product. Yes? Even, let's say, in the Chinese culture, your first child, especially if the first child is a boy, there's en grande preparation. There's something about it. And Abel decided to give his firstlings and the fat portions to the Lord. Cain, on the other hand, while he also brought an offering to the Lord, he brought the fruit of the ground. Now, what is it all about anyway? Both of them brought an offering to the Lord. Right? How did God look upon that offering? Abel on his part brought the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering... He had no regard. What do you notice about the highlighted portion in verse 4 and part of verse 5? What was God looking at? Was God looking at just the offering? Or was God also looking at the person who was giving the offering? God was looking at both. On Abel and his offering, God had regard. While on Cain and his offering, he had no regard ah I knew it the devil will try to convince you you see God has favorites 
He does not look upon you as equals. He has favorites. Because if he has no favorites, did why, why did he give regard to Abel's offering and why did he reject Cain's offering? If you believe the deception and the lie of the devil that God is not just, that God is not fair, that God wants you to suffer, you will believe. So how do we reconcile? Why did God reject Cain's offering while accepting Abel's offering? Can I share with you from the New Testament? For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain. Can you finish it? Because God looks at the person making the offering as well as looking at the offering. We learn from the epistle of John. There is something more than just what Cain offered. He was of the evil one and his deeds were evil. But Abel, when he offered it, God accepted it because his offering, his deed, his actions were what? Righteous. Abel gave his best. Abel gave his best. See, when Jesus came to this earth, he told us he did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. In a matter of speaking, Jesus raised the bar. What do you give to the Lord? Well, you know, whatever I have, I give to the Lord. Is that okay? Of course. But God also looks at your heart as well as you, what you bring to Him. He raised, Jesus raised the bar. Look at in the Beatitudes. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Does God look at the heart? Does God also look at your offering? Yes. Look at what He's telling us. If you're here this morning and somebody, you know that somebody has something against you, what is God telling you to do? Be reconciled. That relationship, that mending of relationship is more important than whatever you're bringing to the Lord. Outwardly, you may be bringing something. You may drop a check on the tight box. But in your heart, you know that you have a brother or sister whom you're at odds with. God is telling us, you know what? What is more important is that you reconcile. You fix that relationship first. And when you've done that, come back and then offer to the Lord. But pastor, I have already asked for forgiveness, but that person doesn't want to forgive. What has God expected of you? Did God ask you to go and try to be reconciled? If the answer is yes, then you have abided by what God is telling you. 
Because who is the one now at fault? That person, that other person who is not willing to forgive you. You have done your part. Then when you come back and present your offering, it will be accepted by God. God raised the bar. God raised the bar. Abel gave his best. Cain, his deeds were evil. He just gave. Period. They both gave. But Abel gave the better offering and his was accepted. God said, on the Abel's offering, I have regard. For Cain's offering, I have no regard. So what happened to Cain? Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Let me ask you, how does your spouse know that you are upset? Even if you don't say a word. Like my wife will always tell me, you are quiet, but your face is shouting. <laughs> How did God know that, a, that Cain was angry? Because his countenance fell. In English, laglagang prutas. Galatians 5.22, yeah, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. When you lose it, the fruits will fall down. His countenance fell. That's why the psalmist said, Why is so downcast, O my soul? This is an old song, Brother Bal, remember? Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. God noticed. God saw. The countenance of Cain fell. You know, you're happy, and all of a sudden, your wife or your friend will say something. Galit ka? Hindi ah. Ito ako. Ano ka ako? Hindi ka gumagalit. Your countenance will fall because you know that what you're hearing is something you can't accept. I offered. I, oh, I made an offering. God warned Cain, if you do well, Will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Remember I shared with you earlier, the curse of the woman, aside from pain in childbirth, God said part of that curse is that you will desire for your husband. That word desire is the same word desire in Genesis chapter 4 verse 7. It means woman, the curse because of your disobedience will be that aside from having pains in childbirth, you will desire to rule over your husband whom I, God, put in authority over you. <laughs> we have to go with the flow. That's all right. So look here, instead of God's original plan, that woman would compliment man. Because sin entered the picture, part of the curse is now woman will desire to compete with man. That's why God gave us specific roles. 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, be in submission to your husband. You see, that word desire is dangerous. He wants to control you. At this point, I think it's still okay. Because if we read Scripture, it says, when we're tempted, we haven't yet fallen to sin. The manner by which we act on that temptation will determine whether it is sin or not. Yes or no? So that's why God gave Cain the warning. If you do well, your countenance will be lifted up. The fruit will return because it fell down, you know. His countenance will be lifted up. If you do not do well, sin is crouching. And remember? Remember the crouching? Who is our enemy? First Peter 5. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. Sin is crouching at the door. It desire is for you. But what? You must master it. You must have victory over it. If not, it's going to consume you. Did, did Cain listen? Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. I'm picturing this in my mind. God told me that your offering is better. He rose up against his own brother, his sibling. And what did he do? He killed him. He killed him. And the Lord said to, Ca to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Nowhere in the Bible will you see the word accountability. But time and time again, the principle is there. Where's your brother? I don't know. Am I supposed to watch over my brother? But in truth, what had happened? He had murdered his brother. Because Cain was jealous of the blessing of God on Abel. He couldn't take it. He killed his very own brother. And God held him to account. Where's your brother? And in, in his defense, he said, I'm not my brother's keeper. So what did God do? As I remember, I told you, Jesus raised the bar. I don't murder people. I hope none of you have. But in Matthew 5.21, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. For whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And who says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So let me ask you, 
Have you ever killed somebody? Are you and I guilty of murder? You see, our, our, our way of defining things is far, far different from the way God defines things. He says, if in your heart you're angry with this brother, you have by God's standards, you have already committed murder. God's ways are higher than our ways. And if, we were, if I was supposed to write all of this, I'm a mass murderer because I have been angry with a lot of people. And if God says that my anger in His standard amounts to murder, then I am guilty as charged. God raised the bar. Also, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her. Where? In his heart. You see, everything related to God really is a matter of the heart. It is not just the outward way of doing things. The real issue is the issue of the heart. If your heart is in the right place, you will do the right thing. But if your heart is in the wrong place, even if you do the right thing, your heart is still wrong. This person, just like in the earlier verse, did not do the actual act of murder. This person did not do the actual act of adultery. But in God's eyes, the mere fact that you look at another woman who is not your wife and you have lusted after her, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. Hi, hey, pastor, I'm not married. Yes! <laughs> then you have committed fornication with her in your heart. There is no escape from God's word. You thought you would escape? I'm not my brother's keeper, am I? Well, where is able your brother? Accountability. Then what did God say? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. The first burial. The first interment. The ground opens up to receive Abel. And what did God say? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Look at Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Why did Abel offer the firstlings and the fat portions of his flock? Why? His offering was motivated by faith. And the Bible is very clear. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
And anything that is not of faith is what? Sin. So I may be dropping a million US dollars in the tight box this morning. But if my heart is not right, I have made a travesty of my offering to God. Yes or no? I give. I'm very regular. What's the attitude of your heart? Faith. By faith, Abel offered. And God said it was the better sacrifice because he offered it by faith. And God is bearing witness to the offering of Abel. And that offering speaks to all of us still today, even when Abel has been buried, dead and buried, many, many centuries ago. So God said to Abel, to Cain, because you killed your brother, and his voice is shouting to me from the ground, he said, when you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on earth. It's hard enough now that when sin entered the picture, they had to till, they had to garden to produce food from thorns and thistles. But now, even his labor will be unproductive. And not only that, those of you who are like me, were working for the Department of Public Social Services, I encounter many, many times in one day, vagrants and wanderers on earth. In Tagalog, we call them taong grasa. Here, we call them bag ladies, right? And when you encounter such a person, what do you do? You move a little to the side because you don't want to encounter them face to face. Correct? Correct or no? Because their countenance, their appearance doesn't seem palatable to us. Sometimes we even look at them as, uh, I think there's something wrong. So we don't want to interact with them. We sidestep them. The penalty, the consequence of Cain slaying his brother is getting worse. You're going to cultivate the ground. It's not going to bruise anything for you. You will be a vagrant. You will be a wanderer from this earth. And Cain couldn't accept it. He said, Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground and from your face. I will be hidden. And I will be a vagrant and wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. What was Cain's realization? Not only was he going to be driven from the face of the ground, he was also going to be driven from the face of the Lord. From your face, I will be hidden. And his fear is that because he is a vagrant and a wanderer on earth, when someone finds him, they will kill him. Which is the worst? Just to have a harder time in tilling the ground or being hidden from the face of the Lord? Which is the worst consequence? 
I submit to you, the latter is the worst consequence, to be hidden from the face of the Lord. Let's not be deceived. God knows everything there is to know about us. The people around us may not know, but God knows. And Cain was afraid. He was afraid for his very life. That people who might find him will kill him. So what did God do? So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain so that no one finding him would slay him. I see this still as the grace of God. Imagine, Cain says, Okay, God, I'm going to have a hard time tilling the ground, but I'm also going to be hidden from your face because of my sin. And when people find me, they're going to kill me. If I were God, I'm basically saying, Cain, even if you did that, I still love you. I will still shower you with my grace. Anyone who finds Cain and kills him will be penalized seven times over. And to make sure that they know that if they do this, I will set a mark on you. So that when the people see you, oops, this is a person I'm not supposed to kill because if I kill this person, I will be guilty before God seven times over. Is that not the grace of God? Yeah. Is that not the grace of God? Just like Adam and Eve, even if they sinned, God was the one who killed an animal, take the skin and make coverings for themselves. Isn't it the grace of God that God would prevent them from going back and back and back to that tree when God put them out and set a cherubim to guard the way? That's the grace of God. Did Cain commit murder? Yes. Guilty as charged? Yes. But God still gave him grace. And in verse 16, Then Cain went from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. He was now separated from God. He was now a wanderer. And I submit to you, separation from God is the worst. Money you can make up. Relationships are hard to restore. I, work, I owe you money, I work more, I pay you off. But when the relationship is broken, it's a lot harder. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. It's an issue of the heart. Both of them worshipped God. But there is a proper way of worshipping God. That's why, what's the title this morning? Give God your best. Why is it an issue of the heart? Because Isaiah 59.2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation from you, between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So what is it? It is the grace of God eh, that allows you to be separated, that allows you to be, that his face be hidden. It's not that God doesn't want to look at you. It's your sin have put a covering. 
and grace that will come later on through the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, will make amend that relationship. Now, what about Adam and Eve? They, lo they had two children, two males, one died. See, I, again, I see the grace of God here. Adam had relations with his wife again. She gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For he said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel. For Cain killed him. Again, the grace of God. You lose a kid, you lose you one of your... Actually, they lost two. Because one died and the other one became a wanderer. So God, because of His grace, gave them another son, Seth. Please, friends, never ever doubt the goodness and grace of God in our lives. Even if what you're going through is adverse towards you, never doubt the goodness and grace of God. Because we know, some of us have this as our favorite verse, right? Romans 8.28 For we know that in all things God works together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We have a good God. Never allow yourselves to be deceived by the devil. That God is selfish. God wants to give you problems. It's not true. There's even a song that problems are really blessings in disguise. Don't be deceived. We have a good God. My question is what can you give to God? What can you give to God? May I suggest three? Luke 21, 1-4 And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury and he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them for they all out of their surplus put into the offering but she out of her poverty put in all she had to give. If you're asking God, God, what can I give to you? May I suggest you give your treasure to God. I knew pastor was going to talk about money again. I knew it. Why do we have to address this? Because the Bible is very clear. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So if you cling on to money rather than giving to God's work, where is your heart? And may I ask you, by the way, who owns everything? God. So we are just what? Managers. We are just stewards. <laughs> and the owner is telling you, give. I give you 100%. Give 10%. Oh, pastor! Tai Chian. That's Old Testament, 10%. What will you give? If Jesus raised the bar, do you think God is pleased if we raise the bar? If God set 10% as the low bar 
and Jesus raised the bar. Do you think God wants us to give more? Now be careful. I'm not here to play your conscience. Okay? But I'm here to remind you of Malachi. A son honors his father and his servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priest who despise my name, but you say, How have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar, but you say, How have we defiled you? In that you say, The table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is that not evil? When you present the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Would he receive you kindly? Give your best. Don't give your leftovers. Give your best to God. If you do not test God in the area of money, how will you be able to prove for yourself that God is Jehovah Jireh, the great provider? You're always living on computing. Wait, what is 10%? Before or after tax? Okay? And then if I'm, if I'm the one, which I'm not, okay, if I'm counting the tithes, okay, here's the check. Lorenzo Nolan, CCFLA, oh, no, tithes and offerings, 2375. You want to nitpick with God? You want to be stingy with God? God will be stingy to you. That's just the truth of the matter. That's why he says, look, now I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now be careful. I know that there are a lot of churches out there who will use this exact same verse to pull money from your pockets. Do you know of that other preacher who wants to buy a brand new jet? Because God told him that he needs a brand new jet? Because his old jet breaks down? You just what? Open the TV. Oh, plant a seed. Plant a seed. Plant a seed. Be careful. But the principle is he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, on the other side, Please, don't make this a return on investment. God is not a slot machine. Okay? You put some more. You re expect returns. Ah, ganun na pala ngayon. You, God does not operate that way. Why? He is looking at the heart. The widow had only two mites to give. She gave more because she gave out of her need. The rich people, for sure they gave a lot more but they gave out of their abundance. So verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is my type. No? 10% though. Eh? Hmm? God, ah? Huh? 11% chan. 
don't give grudgingly because God looks at the heart. Give of what God has given to you and it will return, pressed down, overflowing, shaken together. Trust God. Trust God. Treasure. What's the next that you can give to God? And he said to another, follow me. But he said, uh, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. The context here, the father's still alive. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. What is this man trying to say? When my father dies, that's the time I will follow you. The other man, to another he said, I'll follow you. First permit me to say goodbyes to those at home. But Jesus said, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He's asking for your time. Oh, you know what? I really like to serve God. After I build my house, pay off my mortgage, pay my children's college tuition, their student loans, and then pay off the four cars that we have. And after I've traveled around the world, because this is on my bucket list. <laughs> then I will serve God. What are you giving to God? Your leftovers again. What if I invite all of you? Oh, today, huh? Uh, 5.30. Lynette and I are inviting all of you. Come to our apartment. There's a barbecue place there. There's two swimming pools. We'll have dinner there. We have leftovers for you. <laughs> well, why do we insist on giving God our leftovers? We stay out late Saturday night. And then we're here Sunday morning. And what? Giving Him our leftovers. Oh, no, Pastor. I'm here early. Yeah, but you're not really here. Our Sunday is the first day of the week, not the last day. Yes or no? So we should be here excited, full of energy. This is the start of the week and it starts with God. Yes or no? Give Him your time. Some of you, maybe your, your big group leader, your disciple is already asking you, Hey, can you lead the group? Can you lead the Bible study? Can you do this? Can you do that? I have no time. Okay, I'll give you a watch when's your birthday. I'll give you time. <laughs> we have so many excuses. Make good use of your time. Time is like money. Once you spend it, you can't, it does not go back to you. It doesn't go back. That's it. Where will I spend my time? Doing what the world wants or doing what God wants? What else can you give? And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the work of the service to build up the body of Christ. God has given each one of us a specific gift or a specific talent. For what purpose? 
to build up the body of Christ. Some of you are photographers, video editors, audio. Some of you like to clean. Some of you like to cook. Some of you like to prepare coffee. Yes? And what does God ask for you to do? Use that to the building up of the body. Some of you I know, you drive, you pick up people, you bring them here, you bring, praise God for you. Never say, I only, I can only do this. Because if you allow God to use whatever that is, He will multiply it. You believe that? We were talking a while ago, and uh, our friends here were pointing. He used to, referring to me, he used to sing in Manila. Here, no more. I told him, I'm just pushed. Pastor Peter will push me. You lead. Well, you remember the very, 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 very first time I led. Val was there. And he is the reason why I have butterflies in my stomach. <laughs> the very, 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 very first time. Pastor Jay Jackson requests for a song. I had to look for the song. I had to have the music written. And when we were there during rehearsal, this guy, my brother in the Lord, I don't know if he's mad at me. He says, in song, we cannot sing this congregationally. You have to first teach it. What? That was the first time I really ran to the bathroom after the... Because really, I was like this. Give us ears to hear that still small. I was not moving. <laughs> but, if you trust God, He has, He must have a reason why he is nudging you why he is having people talk to you about certain gifts certain talents that you have use it give your best to god he wants your treasure he wants your time he wants your talent all of these things came from him anyway he's just asking you to use it for his glory and above all May I ask that you give him your heart. Because Isaiah 29, the Lord's rebuke is this. The Lord said, because these people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. And their reverence for me consists of traditions learned by rote. What does God really want? At the end of the day, what does God really want of you? He wants your heart. Because if God has your heart, you will give whatever amount God impresses on your heart to give. If God has your heart, you will give Him all the time that He wants you to give. And if God has your heart, you will give whatever talent God needs. You will give it back to Him. As a matter of fact, I believe in Manila, they are now challenging. If you just graduated from Manila, from, from college, 
why not give your first year out of school to the work of the ministry? Wow. Of course, when you graduate, what are you thinking? Ah, I'm going to buy my car. I'm going to do this. I got to do that. Nothing wrong. But is, is God, maybe God is asking you to serve him for that year. See, God promised that the sacrifices of a broken spirit, a broken, contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. God wants your heart. God wants your best. And why does God want your best? Why does, why, why does God want your best? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. He gave His one and only begotten Son to pay for the penalty of my sins so that I need not go to hell and instead go to heaven. Well, I've given my life to the Lord. What about my needs? What about my wants? What about my aspirations? Well, Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with Jesus, with him, freely give us all things. Did God give His best for your salvation and my salvation? Does God deserve our best? Our best treasure, time, talent? Is it going to cost? Yes. Because it cost God. He does not tell us to do anything that He Himself had not first demonstrated for us. And if He gave His best, I think the challenge to us is to give our best. Can we turn off the lights, please? I'd like for you to listen to a song, and if it's clear enough, you can read the lyrics. And as the song is playing, if God speaks to your heart you know just be in an attitude of prayer and ask the Lord God to speak to all of us this morning Servant who the 
your best he gave his best for us far be it from us to give him our leftovers wouldn't it be embarrassing to accept God's best but to give him our leftovers have you given your heart to God I mean your whole heart because God says, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. Have you given your heart to Jesus? I mean, really give it all. Expressed in your time, your talent, and your treasure. As we close this morning, I'd like for all of us to close our eyes and bow our heads and just ask the Holy Spirit and make you're making maybe you're making commitments right now that's between you and God but as you speak to God and the Holy Spirit speaks to you I pray that God is in your heart that you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and if you haven't yet done so Today might be the day. So all you need to do is just ask Him by faith to come into your life. Accept Him as your Savior 
but also trust Him to be the Lord of your life. Make a commitment to follow Him no matter what. Even if it will cost you your time, your talent, and even your treasure. If Jesus is already the Lord of your life, and we know that we're failing in some things, remember that God is a God of grace and forgiveness. Don't just take it for granted, though, and just confessing to God without making good on those commitments. Speak to God as well and give you the grace and the strength to fulfill those, those commitments that you're making right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will all that you will teach all of us to take the way of Abel who gave the fat portions, the firstlings, the first fruit. Abel gave his best. And you had regard for his offering because he did it by faith. God, may you be pleased with our offering whether it be with our talent, with our time, or with treasures. Because we know, Lord God, that all of this belongs to you. You have given these to us so that we can use this to the building up of the body of Christ. And I pray that we will be faithful to the purposes by which you have entrusted this talent, time, and treasure to us. May we use it, Lord, as our offering of praise, a lifestyle of worship that will be pleasing and honoring to you and to you alone. We thank you, Lord God, for the work you're doing in our midst. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.